This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, then you've got to learn to find some shelter. Then you've got to learn how to find some more volume. You've got to learn how to, if you cannot quiet the storm, you have to amplify the voice of God. Well, welcome to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan, and we are coming to you from uh, sandy beaches. Uh, no, actually, we're still hunkered down in a bunker, actually, but uh, we're joining you on the podcast today. And you know they're videotaped, like... Yeah, like they can they can see us not on the same. Beach. That's that's all right. Okay. This is just right. a backdrop on the beach, actually. Just making sure. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, this Sunday, uh, Pastor Christian, you continued your sermon series, the the waiting room, uh, where we uh, continue to attempt to answer that question: What do you do when we don't know what to do? And I'm really thankful that this series has been a voice of hope and direction for so many people in our community and beyond. It's been great to get feedback from from all over. Uh, in this COVID-19 season, if, if Journey can offer you any support, please, please don't hesitate to reach out uh, by sending us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. Again, I'm here with Pastor Christian. We're glad you've tuned in. Um, you know, the timing from your message, the timing of 1 Kings 19 is set just after one of the greatest spiritual victories of all time uh, found in 1 Kings 18. Elijah on Mount Carmel and the victory, of course, that uh, God had over the prophets of Baal. We've been to Mount Carmel. Uh, will you unpack the spiritual victory that occurred on Mount Carmel as, as, a as a backdrop to what Elijah experienced next with Jezebel? Yeah, so, man, I love Mount Carmel. 20 miles or so from the sandy beaches of the Mediterranean. I mean, I wish we were on sandy beaches today <laughs> instead of continuing um, you know, what feels like a season of madness with all these yeah. stay at home orders. We are, uh, man, we're glad to love our neighbors by protecting our neighbors. Man, I miss our church. Um, I yeah. miss our, I miss our people. Um, we have an Israel trip planned this summer. That's, that's a little in jeopardy right now. We're kind of waiting on, uh, with a bunch of high school and college kids. Uh, so man, yeah, can't, can't wait to get back. What was going on in first Kings chapter 18? So Elijah called by God to be a prophet to the Northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, and very specifically against the house of Ahab. Ahab had married the daughter of royalty in Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon is modern day Lebanon. So he had, he had married someone who came from Lebanon and their gods in Lebanon were the Ashtoreths, which were really the god of fertility. The god of many of the Canaanites, especially in that area, the northern kingdom of Judah, before Israel had come in was, was the god Baal, which is spelled B-A-A. L, uh, and that was the God of storms. Baal, Baal was the God who brought the rain. And that was important because the people of Canaan first, and then the people of a united Israel second, and then the people of a divided Israel third, they all made, they all made their money in the Jezreel Valley. Um, if, if you can, if you can picture the Midwest in Israel, um, in, in the fall, I mean, that's, that's the Jezreel Valley. It's also known as the Valley of Megiddo, um, the Valley of Armageddon. It is, it is miles upon miles upon miles upon miles upon miles of, I mean, just the most lush farmland in all the Middle East. I mean, a lot of people don't know that Israel is the citrus capital of the Middle East. I mean, Northern Israel is the Florida of Europe. It's where they go to get their, their oranges and their mangoes and, and their grapefruits and their, and the lemons and the limes. I mean, it, it is a place known for what 
can come out of the ground. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful farming country. I say this every time when we get to Israel. Every place else in Israel, the wealth comes from under the ground um, around Israel because it's all in oil. Um, Israel is the only place that really supports uh, farming, which means you have livestock that have enough uh, grass to eat from time to time and and farming, agriculture. Um, So the gods, um, the god of the storm, the god of the rain, would be a, would be a god to, would be a god to be worshipped because you not only made a living that way you stayed alive that way um, and Ahab and his household had gone back to worshiping what I would call the god of the economy so he he worshipped Wall Street which he chose to have the nation worship the god of Baal because he thought this is gonna this is gonna make us extremely wealthy and wealth's gonna make us extremely strong his wife came in and also brought the goddess of the Ashtoreths. Um, so they were a nation that worshiped both Baal and the Ashtoreths, and they had turned away from Yahweh. They turned away from the God of Israel. So Elijah's job was to show up and say, hey, you're worshiping the wrong gods, and I'm, I'm going to prove Yahweh is stronger than Baal because the God of the storm ain't going to rain no more. And for three and a half years, there was no rain. All the water dried up, all the crops died out, which means all, all the exports um, dried out, which meant all the money dried up, which meant all the paid military went home. There were bad days. I mean, bad days in Israel. And three and a half years into that, God tells Elijah, all right, go tell Ahab, um, I'm going to turn the water back on, but for one reason only, to prove to him that he needs to worship me, not Baal. Like, I'm going sh- to show him who's the God who brings the storm, not because I want to punish him, but but because I want to be in relationship with him. I want his heart to turn yeah. back to me. So they have a mutual friend named Obadiah. Obadiah was a follower of Elijah because he was a follower of the God of Israel, but he worked in the household of Ahab. Elijah finds a Obadiah and says, hey, go tell uh, go tell Ahab I want to, I want to meet him today. Um, they were looking for Elijah to kill him, but he but he just, you know, he made himself shown and says, We're gonna we're gonna go up on the top of Mount Carmel and we're gonna make it rain. We're gonna make it rain. Um, you bring your prophets. I'm the only one for the God of Israel, and we're, we're going to have a competition. So they invite 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, so 850 to one. Uh, pretty good odds if you're if you're if you're betting on the little guy. Pretty good odds. And and the competition was we're going to build an altar on top of Carmel, which overlooked the Mediterranean Sea, which is the direction that the storms would always come from. And they were going to ask God to answer by fire. Now that meant by a lightning bolt. Right? I mean, Baal is the god of the storm. So if you're asking him to answer by fire, you're asking, you're asking for a, you're asking for someone to create a lightning bolt from heaven. I mean, back to the future stuff, right? How can you know where lightning's going to strike? Um, so they, the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth go first. They cry out all morning. They build their altar. No one's listening. Um, it, it literally said no, no one answered. Elijah began to rib him a little bit halfway through the process. Hey, maybe your God's sleeping. At one point, he literally said, if you read it in the Hebrew, maybe he's using the bathroom, give him a little more time, yell a little louder. Um, they go nuts. They start cutting themselves, the prophets of Baal, thinking that if Baal sees blood dripping to the ground, he'll think, well, oh, that blood's dripping to the ground. Rain drips to the ground. Oh, shoot. I forgot to have it rain for three and a half years. So that, that's why they would do this. They, they did that all afternoon. Nothing happened. And Elijah finally, I mean, you can picture him like, you know, smugly waking up from a nap saying, are you like, are you done? Are you done? Yeah. And they say, yeah, we're done. So he builds an altar. Um, not only does he build an altar of dry wood, it hasn't rained in three and a half years, but he says, so that you will know this isn't some freak accident. 
He asks them to go get water, and they go get gallons of water. They drench the altar. He builds a trench around it. They did that three times till the altar was soaked, water running around it. And he said, just so you know, we didn't just spark a fire because we got dry wood. He cries and says, God, if if you are the God of the heavens, if you are the God of the rain, if you are God of Israel and you want the hearts of your people turn back to you, God answer. And bang, Scripture says God answered by a bolt of lightning. The people were amazed. Elijah asked the people around who immediately understood that the God of Israel was who they should be following to seize the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth, not to let them get away to kill them so they couldn't lead the people astray anymore. And I think he thought after that, he he literally told Ahab, you're welcome. Yeah. And then he said, go home and go fast because it's going to rain. Go home and go fast because it's going to rain. I think he thought he'd done Ahab a favor. So Ahab tucks in his cloak. You know, he rides across the Jezreel Valley to Samaria that he's establishing as the capital of his kingdom. At the time, Ahab or uh, Elijah goes to the top of the mountain um, and begins to pray for it to rain. He asks his servant a couple different times, "Hey, go back and look." And finally, after the third or fourth time, servant came back and said, "I see, I see a cloud coming, and it rains so torrentially um, that I that I imagined all the people of Israel knew the God of heaven has opened up the heavens again. Everyone except Jezebel." And Ahab gets home, tells Jezebel, I think he told Jezebel what Elijah did. And I think he told Jezebel what the God of Israel did. Um, but she always wore the pants in that family. And she was a Sidonian. She wasn't, she wasn't from Israel. She could care less about Yahweh. And she kind of said, you know what? I don't care what Elijah did. I don't care what Israel's God did. Elijah killed all my prophets. And, and I will have him killed by the end of tomorrow. Let him know I'm coming for him. So Elijah in this stupor, right, living in fear, has this awesome spiritual moment. I mean, the God of heaven literally sent a lightning bolt where he asked it to, and now he's afraid of the queen of Israel, a lady named Jezebel. And, and fear, just as it does so often with all of us, fear captures his heart, and man, he's gone. Yeah, and it leads in really to our next question. It it gives us this great example where the courage of Elijah one moment in this spiritual moment, although what courage to even make the challenge, right? Although he, he really trusted God. But then the the opposite happens. And, you know, one of the goals of this message is to ask for help to make it through this journey. And you talked about the, the powerful passage from Amos, chap, uh, Amos chapter 5, 4 through 6, where, where God instructs Israel not to seek past experiences, but to seek the Lord and live. And so based on Elijah, based on other experiences that, that uh, Israel had. Why, why is it so important to have a mentality and spiritual discipline of morning by morning? You kind of touched on this, instead of based on big spiritual experiences or, or big spiritual results. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that kind of in, in two ways. One, I'm going to use the word reliance, because I, th- I think, as a matter of fact, I know God wants us to put memorial stones places in our past where he's moved. It's why you and I go to Mount Carmel when we're there, to remember that moment. Mm-hmm. Spiritual moments in our past are are huge moments that teach us great, great things. But we cannot rely on them for today's strength. They were yeah. wonderful, but those those weren't to give us strength for today. So I think the word reliance is really, really key. Uh, are spiritual moments in our past great? Yes. Do we want to bury them? No. Can we rely on them for what we need today? No. And for that, I would I would give the picture of a meal. It's interesting. Jesus told us to pray for our daily bread. I think there are a lot of Christians that would like to change that prayer to this. Jesus, um, give me today a meal. 
that will keep me filled up for the next 20 years spiritually so I don't have to eat again. Yeah. I think that's what people are looking for. They, they, they don't want to have to go every day and eat a meal to be filled up spiritually. They're like, Jesus, give me a, give me a mountaintop experience that'll give me enough energy to run for the next 10 years and not have to really think about it. God, give me a moment in my life that'll carry me for the rest of time. Those, there aren't any of those. Yeah. Jesus's daily bread. So Jeremiah, who, you know, wrote the great lamentations, you know, and we studied the, we studied the laments, right? I taught you what that word meant. Um, we, <laughs> yeah. we studied the laments. So what you get at a French restaurant yeah, right after you eat, exactly a lament. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we studied the laments. Jeremiah taught us how we can cry out to God, but every morning expect that he's going to give us mercy to, to start over again, even if starting over means crying out to God. And the point of the message was certainly not bury, uh, bury your past. Yeah. But I, but the point of the message was you cannot rely on yesterday's food to give you strength today. There is no one in our church, right? There's no one in our church who, if they ate and drank one meal on Sunday, that would live until the next Sunday. That, I, I like, I would, I would say I would encourage someone to try it, but someone would try it and then they would come back and probably try to sue me. So don't no. try it. But there's no one. Who could sit down at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., or 11 a.m. on Sunday and have a meal? There's no one who thinks they don't have to until the exact same time next week sit down and have anything else to eat. And I think that's what Elijah's story is trying to teach us, that Elijah, uh, yesterday was a big good day for you. Good job. Tomorrow morning you get to wake up and start again. And I think he wanted that one to carry him a little longer. Um and God said, no, today, like today's, today's a new day. Um, so let's, uh, man, let's climb back up to the top today and let's connect with me today. Yeah, it's, it, it is why we've got to seek them every day. It's why sometimes I'll get in conversations with someone. They'll say, well, I, you know, I've, I've read the Bible before. Or I've got a lot of spiritual knowledge. I don't need to go through that study or I don't need to have an accountability partner. And it's just not true. It, it just, we, just like impatience, as we talked about previously, every day I need to seek him, I need to walk with him so that the fruit of the spirit comes out of me, and I have the uh, the faith to make it through whatever uh, may come my way today. Uh, you you spend time in the message talking about how far Elijah traveled, 110 miles, and then another 200 plus miles, and your Israel travels in an air conditioned van. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Hallelujah, Amen. You you've covered nearly every every inch of Israel. You, you've been all over there. You've been there a lot of times. I love going. I learn so much when I when I travel there with you. Can you help us to understand how how taxing uh, this would have been with the terrain of Israel and how being physically and emotionally exhausted can stretch us spiritually? Yeah. Well, so I mean, one any any one hundred one hundred ten mile journey, right, has got to wear you out because of our time in Israel. The first leg probably would wouldn't have been the worst. I mean, Car- Carmel. Um, to Beersheba, if he would have taken the coastal uh, route, probably been a beautiful walk. Now he's scared for his life. Yeah. Um, beautiful walk, kind of downhill all the way. Uh, but Beersheba, through the Judean mountains, through the Arabian desert, down to Mount Oreb, the mountain of God, would have, uh, would have, would have been grueling. So much so that an angel said, you're not going to make that. In the, in the condition you're in, you're um you you're not gonna you're not gonna make it. 
And I think what we learn from Elijah is we learn the importance of rest. We learn the importance of leaning into God. I think we learn, like Vince Lombardi says, that fatigue makes cowards of us all. And there's something about being spiritually exhausted that makes you um, spiritually question, right? Being spiritually exhausted so often makes you spiritually question if you can make it, if God is good, if God's going to help. And that was the state that Elijah found himself in, you know, five to seven days of travel. By the way, the, the average person would travel around 20 miles a day on foot is what they could cover if they were getting after it pretty good. Um, so you say, how tired would he have been? Just go walk 20 miles on your treadmill um, tomorrow if uh, if you want to experience that. And then for the next 250, put it uphill and turn on the heat as high as you can. Um, and then act like someone's chasing you, yeah. you know, who, yeah. who wants to kill you. This, this would have been an, an an awful, it would have been a grueling thing for him. Would have been something supernaturally wasn't even able to do, but God sent him supernatural help on the way. And I think what we have to realize, the picture that we need to see is when we are absolutely spiritually exhausted, there is supernatural help. Um, sometimes it's in the form of a friend who calls or texts. Sometimes it's in the form of just a, a sweet touch from God. Sometimes it's in the form of a prayer or a moment in worship that breaks open the spirit of your heart that actually release, releases a burst of energy. Sometimes it's in the hope of tomorrow, if I can get through um, today. Supernatural energy comes when spiritual energy is gone, but only if you search for it and only if you ask for it. We started our series by talking about First Corinthians 12 where, um, you know, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is perfected in your weakness. So when we are weakest, we actually get more of God's power. And Elijah certainly, um, found him, found himself there. And, and we would too, had we, had we been in that terrain and that situation and that circumstance, um, man, running from Jezebel, but running towards God, uh, you know, look, looking for answers. And we're both dads sitting here and we've got, uh, uh, son and, and daughters. And, you know, if we had them come to us hurting and exhausted, we often forget our heavenly father loves yeah. us and we would provide, we would help them. We would love them. We would protect them. And, and Elijah found that uh, as well in his journey. You know, the Pentecost 40-day spiritual challenge that uh, you started last week is intended to create intimacy with Jesus in this time. And Elijah experienced this when he was able to hear the whisper of God that brought him such great encouragement. What, what, what do we need to do to make sure we can silence the storms in our minds so we can hear the whisper of God from his word and from his voice? So I think there's a there's a couple things to do to hear the voice of God better. Um, the first one is is silence the storm. Um, you say, well, how how do you do that? Well, Elijah ran from it, and and the reality is there are some storms that that you're sticking your head into. If you're watching the news all day every day, you have the ability to silence some of that storm. If you're on social media all day, every day, you have the ability to silence some of that storm. If you're choosing to live in conflict with somebody instead of forgiving or asking for forgiveness, you have the ability to quiet that storm. If you're living way beyond your means financially and you live in the storm of debt, you have the ability to quiet that storm. So I think the first thing we want to do when there are storms that keep us from experiencing the peace of God, as we want to ask, are these storms that I can avoid? There are a lot of Christians, Ryan, that are storm chasers. Yeah. 
right? I mean, like their, their life, if you sat in a small group, you think, man, they are always involved in a storm. That's because they're storm chasers. And there are a lot of things they could, they should, they've been commanded to avoid, but they just keep running after them. So there are some storms you can avoid simply by stepping out of the path of the storm. Um, where you cannot do that, then, then you've got to learn to find some shelter. Then you've got to learn how to find some more volume. You've got to learn how to, if you cannot quiet the storm, you have to amplify the voice of God. You say, how do you do that? One, you do it through extraordinary consistency. Uh, I believe God gets louder. I believe God gets clearer the more consistent we are in our time with him. One of the things my daughter Casey, that it's it's crazy that she's done it, but she has. One of her spiritual goals through April, you know, we talked about waiting room wins, mm-hmm. um, is she decided she was going to read her Bible for an hour every day. Like when I heard that, even I was like, are you like, are you sure that's not like one, like maybe one? I mean, reading your Bible every day is a really good goal. Reading your Bible an hour every day. I know Casey. I'm sure she's yeah, done it. <laughs> she's doing it. Of course she's she doing it. And every yeah. day she, she has more questions, more comments, more things she's learned. The voice of God is growing. It's amplifying in her mind because she's, because she's around it yeah. more often. So if you can't quiet the storm, you've got to learn how to amplify the voice of God. You got to learn how to turn up the volume. Consistency in the word is one thing. Consistency in, uh, in Sunday morning services online is one thing. Consistency in the activate podcast is one thing. Consistency in your, in your small group through zoom or community is one thing. I mean, Ryan, if, if you cannot quiet the storm, you better figure out how to turn up God and you turn up God by getting around him more and more and more by pressing into him to the point where even when the storm is raging, the earth is shaking, the fires are burning, you're so close that you can hear him whisper. That's where Elijah got, but it took a long journey and it took super intentionality to get to the very mouth of God so you could hear him whisper in your ear. So I would say, if you can quiet the storm, quit being a storm chaser and get get out of the path of the storm. If you cannot quiet the storm, better figure out how to amplify God. And that is more consistent quality time in his word and around things that teach us his word. Well, those of you who are listening, I hope you're writing this stuff down. I mean, this is a very practical stuff. Uh, we are intending this to be something to activate your faith. So, man, take notes on this stuff and begin to apply it if you're really looking to make some changes in your life. You know, isolation uh, is dangerous uh, spiritually and physically to our bodies. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about COVID-19 or the, or the proper response to that. I'm talking about people totally isolating themselves and not plugging into others in meaningful relationships or meaningful activities that impact others. In fact, the previous Surgeon General, um, I'll probably mess up his name, but uh, Vivek Murthy uh, in 2017 listed isolation and loneliness as one of the top health issues in the U.S. And you make a point in your message that Elijah realized he couldn't fulfill his spiritual purpose alone. How is that true for us and those listening, and what can they do about it? So I was watching our student ministry Wednesday a few weeks ago, and uh, Hannon, who's one of our student ministry associates, was leading and talking about the power community. He did such a good job, such a such a gifted, anointed kid who deeply, deeply, deeply loves Jesus. And his, his last point, he went back to the Garden of Eden, 
And he talked about those days of creation that I think we talked about on our last podcast and how, you know, every, every day at the end of creation, you know, God gave his pastor Brandon stamp of facts. You know, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Like every day at the I end need of to creation. That. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do practice that actually. You shouldn't, you should practice that. Um, but every day at the end of creation, it was, that's good. The first thing that was not good was that God looked at Adam after a day in his life and he said, it's not good for him to be alone. It's yeah. not good for him to be alone. And Hannon talked about how God created created humanity to win and to thrive in community. And that is so true. But but it's interesting. When you read Elijah's story, you're like, well, I don't have three friends like Elijah. These were not his friends. He hadn't even heard of these people. God told him, there's community out there. Go get it. There's help out there. Go get it. Um, I don't think Elijah said, I'm going to stay on Mount Horeb until Hazael, king of Aram, calls me. He had, to go, he had to go to him. He had to go, he had to go to him. He didn't say, well, I'm just going to sit at home. God, God has Jehu out there for me in my future. I'm just going to wait for him to send me a text message, see if I want to hang out. No, he went to Jehu. Yeah. He didn't say, you know, I'm sure God has Elisha. And when Elisha knocks on my door and says, will you disciple me? I'm going to go do it. No, he went to Elisha and said, I'm going to disciple you, boy. Come on. Um, you have to seek out community. Proverbs says to have friends. You have to be friendly. And I would say to have community, you have to pursue it, and it's worth pursuing. How important is community to me? Um, great question. When this entire season of kind of stay-at-home orders began, you know because you were on the call, for the first like almost 15 days, I, I made our director's team meet every day at 1030 just to look at each other and to read a psalm and to pray. Yeah. Um, we finally stopped because you all kind of said like, Hey, like we, if you want us to do our jobs, we can't hang out with you all day. <laughs> but if you're asking me what gave me comfort those first 15 days, it was knowing that every day I was going to meet with the seven people who my soul was safe with, you know, a couple weeks in when we finally had our first all staff meeting over zoom, my heart felt safe, yeah. right? Looking at that dashboard of all the people on our ministry team, I thought, I'm going to be okay. I don't know if Journey's going to be okay. I think it will, by the way. I, I really do. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know if Jackson County's going to be okay. I don't know if COVID is ever going to go away, but I'm looking at the community God surrounded me with and I thought, I'm going to be okay. When this whole thing started for me, I didn't, I didn't want to go a day without looking into the eyes, even over, over a computer of the community that I shared. That's how strong it is to me. Um, and, and those are moments I shared some of them in my message, right? Every seven to 10 years, there's a crisis that demands community for you to make it through. Those are the times when you just don't want to be alone. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's why, that's why we invest in spiritual community. One, cause God created us for it. We thrive in it and, and we need it, but, but you gotta go, you gotta go after it, right? So don't, don't tell, don't tell us, please don't tell us. Well, no one reached out to me. God didn't tell Elijah, well, just sit here long enough, and I'm sure someone will call. He said, go to work, reach out, find the people. There you'll find your purpose. There, there you'll find out you're going to make it. But you got to go. you gotta, you got you to put some feet to your prayers, and you got to go. And I'd say if you're holding your phone right now, yep. uh, you can literally text two words to the number perhaps you've heard many times, 474747. Just text Journey Groups. Yep. And you'll get a link, and you can search, and there's all kinds of options. And if you don't find one, uh, email us at activate at takethejourney.cc, and we will certainly help you find some community 
uh, not only in this season, but in the months to come. And I would say, Ryan, not only in this city, but whatever city you live in. We have people from time to time that move from Kansas City to a different place, and they say, hey, help me find a church in this place, and we do. So if you're not here, tell us where you are. We'll We'll find a place where you can find community. Well, Pastor Christian, thanks again for great uh, information that, uh, if we'll apply it, will really activate our faith, make us stronger, give us some really practical ways uh, to keep us close to God. Thank you for listening today from wherever, again, you are around the world. Uh, be sure, we always want to give you the ways you can tune into our online services right now, Facebook Live, YouTube, the JCI app, or takethejourney.cc. And we would always love to hear how God's working in your life. Uh, or if you have a question you want to ask, uh, send it to activate at takethejourney.cc. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.